Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What happened there? Three hit us. The three just spun us out. Coming left, don't know what he wants me to do. Hit it, the three got him. Three got the four? Yeah, that's hearsay. So far in the NASCAR playoffs, the title favorites have shown their strength. Regular season champion Martin Truex Jr. took the win at the opener at Chicagoland. And last Sunday at New Hampshire, Kyle Busch avoided a big wreck at the halfway point and went on to score a dominant victory to move into the round of 12. Up next is Dover's Monster Mile and the first of three elimination races in the playoffs where four drivers will see their bid for a championship come to an end. Hey, everybody, welcome into NASCAR America. Carolyn Mano with you, joined today from NBC Charlotte by Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett. Okay, Kyle, right out of the gate here, give me one driver below the cut line right now that is going to advance to the round of 12. Austin Dillon. Uh, he's gonna. He's right there at the cut line, but I think he drives his way in. He's had two solid races. Yeah. He's driven his butt off these first two races and not a lot of results. So I think this time he gets the results, he moves in. What about I'm going to yeah, go you, in the RCR camp. Uh, I'm going to stay right there. But Ryan Newman somehow, some way, yeah, always true. finds a way to <laughs> get through these rounds. And, you know, he pointed his way all the way to Homestead and uh, almost had a championship yes. a few years ago. So I know they haven't been that strong, but this is the type of race and track that he and Luke Lambert can pull some magic. All right, we're going to discuss those drivers and some others who are right on that playoff bubble as we head to an elimination race at Dover. But here's what we have planned for the show today. It is Tuesday, so that means scan all. We will listen in on team communications from Loudon. We are going to spend some time discussing Jimmy Johnson's performance so far in these playoffs. We have a new nickname for Johnson, Mr. 7-Eleven. It's got nothing to do with Slurpees. And Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio joining us for his weekly spot. Among the topics we're going to cover with Pistol Pete, the complicated playoff scenario currently unfolding in the Xfinity Series. But let's start with the Monster Energy Cup Series heading to that elimination race at Dover. And for much of the playoff field, there is some stress. There is some anxiety. Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and Brad Keselowski are into the round of 12 on either wins or points. So no stress there. But those eight spots that are up for grabs on Sunday, for those looking to advance, they know that the fight to keep the season alive is going to be a fierce one this weekend. Each round, four drivers with the least points will be eliminated. Those four no longer have a chance for the championship. We're about to find out. The fight within the 16 will be pretty intense. Austin Dillon's closing down. Three to go. Dillon takes the lead. Yeah, 
have to have the right mindset because even though you're on your A game, you can still get beat very easily. Ryan Newman up on the wheel. I've got Byron here. Some contact we heard. Yep. Got us in the left rear. Blaney trying to carry speed off a of turn four, just gets in the wall. First round is easy to knock yourself out of. We're all just really fortunate to be here. Definitely can't take that for granted. You'll flip your switch with one to go. The key word for round one is execute. We're crashing up high. Come on down, come on down. Our strength on the 41, stay focused on the 41. Kurt Busch goes to the lead. It gets more intense with each round. Now Jamie McMurray is up into the wall. Get my brake pedal. Stop fire there, man. And he is bailed out of that car as it slowly becomes engulfed in flames. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't control a lot of the things that do happen. All you can really do is just try to be up front the most that you can and being able to pull off a win. They're trying to turn their season around after a string of finishes outside the top 15, including five DNS. Up in the air goes the 42 of Kyle Larson. He literally flipped over you. It's going to be intense, and I think strategy is going to come into play. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a power move on the inside. He takes the lead. If you were the kind of driver that was susceptible to pressure, you wouldn't be in the playoffs. All we can do is just give it everything we have. we got to make sure we don't beat ourselves. Focus on yourself and know where the competition is. They want to win just as bad as everybody else. Being consistent will get you through to round two. You know, racing is all about going to the ragged edge without going over. It's going to be pretty wild, to say the least. We are finally going to get some playoff drama over Elimination Weekend, I have a feeling. So you both highlighted Austin Dillon and Ryan Newman as drivers that could potentially work their way up from being on the wrong side of that playoff bubble this weekend. Which drivers in your mind are in danger of getting knocked out who are already on the good side? Well, I think I have to look at Ricky Stenhouse being the man. I mean, see, it's he and Austin Dillon are right there tied, and Newman's only a point behind. That's kind of why I went with Newman. I think he's more experienced at this and understanding the situation. Uh, and, and I will tell you this, in my belief, if you talk to those drivers that are looking and some the ones that have already moved through yeah. to the next round, they are hoping that Ricky Stenhouse is not a part of the 12 that go to Talladega because Good they point. know that he can win the race there, as he did earlier this year, and that would take another spot when you start to move into the round of eight. So there's a lot of people pulling, yeah. uh, not necessarily against yes. Ricky Stenhouse, yeah, but it true. would make their life a little <laughs> bit easier. I just have that belief that Ryan Newman and Luke Lamont are going to yeah. come up with something special once again, and, and Ricky Stenhouse is the one that's closest there on the bubble. Yeah, that's, that, and I like that. And, and because you want, you're, it's Ricky Stenhouse out for the block. That's yes. what it's about. It's yeah. about moving to the next round and blocking a, a competitor that can win. Um, anything can happen. And that is the one thing about Dover. And if we go, and we'll see later on some of the guys who have been knocked out, you can be 25 or 26 points in, and you're not safe going no. into Dover. We've seen guys get knocked out. Uh, if you go out early, and with this five-minute clock and the way NASCAR has these rules now, you can't fix your car and go back out there and run. So all these guys have to do, if a guy goes out 40th, 39th or 40th, they've got to finish in the top 15. That's very doable for an Austin Dillon. That's very doable uh, for a, a Ryan Newman and some of those guys that are back there. So I'm going to go deep in the field, and I'm going to say Chase Elliott has trouble early, and he goes out in this round. We've seen a Hendrick car go out in this round before, mm. and I think he's the one that goes out in this round. Ryan Newman, DJ, has three previous wins at Dover. So how much does average finish at this track come into play? Do you look at history at all when you're trying to determine which one of those drivers may have success this weekend in this elimination race? 
You know, Caroline, I don't know that I necessarily look at the average finish. You talk about those three wins. This is a driver that understands what he needs out of his race car to make that happen then. So uh, the, the only race that really matters to uh, this driver and this team is how they performed earlier this year at, Do at Dover because that's the tire and, and that's the uh, arrow setup that they're going to be faced with this weekend. So when you go back and, and look at that, can he get the job done? So uh, that's what I'm looking at. But as a, when a driver understands the feel that he's looking for in a car because he's been in that position before, then, then that's what gives me confidence that he will figure out a way to get it close enough to make it happen. Yeah, this, this is, just as in any sport, experience is key. Yes. And experience is key in the playoffs. And you're looking at the guy walking across the screen right there who has as much experience getting all the way to Homestead, as Dale said, without a W in the column. And then coming up just a few laps short of winning the championship without ever winning a race. So there's a guy, there's a team that can make something happen. The other guys, Jamie McMurray, that's already in the chase, or that's that's in the uh, this, this section right here. He has the experience. He's been there. He's been knocked out. He's been bumped in uh, both ways. So I look for those teams are the teams that will perform there. No matter what their average finish is, no matter where they've been all year long, they'll pick it up there. Yeah, and I think that I can see this coming down. We've seen late race restarts here recently, just yeah. back in the spring, uh, whenever Jimmy Johnson was able to to go on and win. But I can see a late race caution sending a lot of the guys to pit road, and just like what happened at Phoenix, Ryan Newman <laughs> decides they're going to stay out and take whatever finish that gives them, which it might not have to be a win yeah. at that point in time. Exactly. All they need is to, to gain some spots. Yeah. And that car of his becomes about 14 feet wide whenever yes. Ryan Newman decides <laughs> that, that he's yeah. out front. And, and the one thing... Thing I think that people have to remember, fans have to remember setting at home, and, and we go back to, to this again. There's a five-minute clock now. You, yeah. can't, you, you can't just rebuild that thing in the garage anymore. And there's very few single-car accidents yeah. at Dover. Very few. This is like Bristol on steroids, man. <laughs> Things happen fast. They happen big. That backstretch feels looks like it's this wide, but when you're riding and sp driving and somebody spins, it gets this wide. And if you think that New Hampshire was close with Kyle yeah. Busch squeezing between the wall right there, it'll get tight in a couple of places. On the front stretch, coming up off the corner, anything can happen and take out multiple cars. And if you're in that, that five-minute clock is your enemy. So with that in mind, Kyle, one of the things that we've been saying, and the drivers, I think, have even agreed, Casey Kane and Kurt Busch find themselves essentially what we've deemed as in a must-win situation heading into the weekend. And that is still what's on the table for them, given what we've seen in the past at this track? Yes, I, I think so. I, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, but if you just look at the numbers, past performance, future performance, Performance today, it doesn't make any difference. These guys are win and get in, and that's all. If they don't win, they're going home. I will say this. Kurt Busch has already had an amazing year. He's got a Daytona 500 trophy. He is called a Daytona 500 champion like this man sat beside me. And you know what it's like to run the rest of the year with that. Yes, he wants to be in the playoffs. Yes, he wants to go on and have a shot at the championship. But when he looks back on this year, he'll look back on it finally. Yeah, and Casey Kane, the other guy that's sitting back there, has a Brickyard 400 win. Yeah. So those guys have big victories, but they do want to move into that next round. And we at least thought Kirk Busch was yes. going to be – he was a kind of on a hot streak, so this is a little surprising. The only thing I think that could possibly change everything is we've seen big cautions, big wrecks uh, that take multiple yeah. cars, as you were talking about. If that should happen really early, then their strategy could change yeah. from having to win to maybe having to finish 
finish inside the top five. And so when you get that, then you could go about things a little bit differently. But more than likely, it's going to take a win from one of those two. Yeah, and I realize I'm asking you to look into a crystal ball here when it comes to strategy and how this whole thing is going to play out over the weekend and make an early prediction. But with everything that's on the line and the stages and some of these things that you've highlighted with the strategy here, DJ, how long do you think we're going to have to wait to get a sense of who is moving on? Is your gut telling you that this could very well come down to the very, very end here where drivers are rapidly shifting between being safe and not being safe? Well, as we know, most weeks, we've got it all figured out right here between the two of us. So we're pretty good at getting this right. I honestly think, I really do think that this could come down to some a pass or a couple of passes literally in the last five laps, if not yeah. the last lap, between the 17, the 3, and the 31. I think those yeah. three cars, they race around each other all the time. It literally could come down to somebody making the right move at the right time. We looked up at New Hampshire, and on multiple occasions, those three or four guys were yeah. running. 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. They were all together. They've been together the last two or three races. I don't think Dover is going to be any different. I think they'll be right there together. The problem with Dover is, as Dale just said, and as we've talked here a million times, anything can happen on any lap, whether it happens early. It can happen with 15 laps to go, and you can't recover from it. You can't recover from it. So the longer it goes, you're on pins and needles. What's going on in front of me? What's going on around me? Where's my competition? And we're going to see those, those points right in there. We'll see them shift multiple times during the day. Well, Jimmy Johnson knows what can happen at this track. And coming up, we're going to shift our focus to the man we are calling Mr. 7-11. Johnson won his seventh championship last season at Miami. And earlier this year, he won his 11th cup race at Dover. Can he add to those totals this weekend? everybody seven time cup series champion jimmy johnson will look to earn one of those eight remaining playoff spots in sunday's elimination race at dover his best track on the circuit he currently sits 32 points above the cut line to advance and jimmy johnson finished eighth at chicagoland and a somewhat pedestrian 14th at new hampshire he has not led a single lap in any event since the july daytona race but because of what he has shown us at Dover in the past, he simply cannot be counted out this weekend. You can call it a monster. You can call it a big racetrack made out of concrete. Call it what you want. It's flat out tough. Jimmy Johnson sweeps the monster mile this season. They say this is the track that separates the men from the boys. Jimmy Johnson manhandled the field today. David Pearson and now Jimmy Johnson have won here five times. Jimmy Johnson joins NASCAR legends Bobby Allison and Richard Petty as seven-time winners. Jimmy, you whipped him today, man. For the eighth time in his career, he wins at the Monster Mile, breaking a tie with NASCAR Hall of Famers Richard Petty and Bobby Allison. Jimmy Johnson, another dominating performance and tames the monster. This track's really been a good booster for confidence uh, for the 48 since day one. Across the stripe for the 10th time in his career, Jimmy Johnson is going to victory lane. It is all over. We are coming to the checkers. You've won. me. What? For the 11th time in his career, has picked up the win here at Dover. Jimmy Johnson, the Dover Monster Master. So Johnson's credentials at Dover are well documented by this point. Still, it has not been the smoothest summer for the 48 team. In the past, Johnson's been able to put those regular season struggles behind him when the playoffs begin. But here's his response to this notion 
that his team saves a little something extra for when it matters the most. The processes stay the same, and I know it appears that a switch is flipped, um, but you know, there's nothing different from our efforts and our processes that, that transition us from summer to fall. Um, the one thing that does happen is we show up in Chicago, which is a great track for us. Then Dover's right around the corner, and then Charlotte, and then Martinsville, and then Texas. So it, it really is the tracks that we compete on. And through the summer months, statistically, and really a lot of matrix that you can pull up, they're not my best tracks. But then we start getting back to the tracks that we know. And uh, I, I can honestly start identifying with what I need at those tracks and we start stacking the pennies and, and get that momentum on our side. I do feel that the tracks we're going to, my past history at these tracks, um, our ability to handle and manage pressure and stress uh, that comes with the championship run, the experience we have at now our 16th season um, in, in the sport, you know, there's a lot of things that work in our favor. Um, one other thing that our team's been very good at is using a little bit of momentum and, and carrying that a long way. And one good race um, can really light a fire for us. So, DJ, this has been Johnson's mantra that when the playoffs hit, the tracks fall in line with what he prefers and where he can really excel. When he says in that piece of sound, he can start identifying what he needs at those tracks. What does that really mean? I mean, you think of a seven-time champion, shouldn't he be able to identify what he needs at any track? You know, <laughs> what, what is he basically saying there? Yeah, I think what he's saying, Carolyn, is obviously, as we talked about Ryan Newman, he understands exactly what he's looking for in the race car. And even whenever the race car doesn't get there, such as it was in the spring, I mean, honestly, that was a seventh or eighth place race car yeah. that he took to victory lane back there earlier this year. So Jimmy Johnson just understands what he can, what his limitations are, what he can and can't do at these tracks. And so, yes, he's wanted every type of racetrack, but there are certain racetracks that you just have a better feel for. For than, than others. Now, some people, Kyle Larson and Martin Truex and some others, have started to challenge him a little bit more at these tracks. But this is a weekend, too, as we go up there and get ready to go. I don't see, I, I find it hard to believe that they can go there and compete for a win, but I'm not about to say yeah. that he can't go there and win this race this weekend, too. Yeah, and, and, and I will say this. And, and growing, growing up with my dad, and, and you were probably the same way, Maybe didn't have the best car, but when you went to Daytona, you got up yeah. for it. It was a different different type of event. My dad was always that way there at Daytona, and you look at his finishes, and it's like, my God, he took a 15th-place car and run fifth with it. Mm -hmm. That's Jimmy Johnson at Dover. He gets up for this place. Having said that, I don't think we've seen the speed out of this team for the last three or four months. Not leading a lap, uh, as, the, as they said there, not leading a lap since July – that's not Jimmy Johnson. That's not Chad Knauss. That's not Hendrick Motorsports when we look at it. His teammates have led laps. Mm -hmm. We look at Chase Elliott, he has. And, and I want to say something else. He talks about handling the pressure and wanting that pressure. And understand, it's a different pressure whenever you're being chased than what it is when you're chasing somebody. Yep. And Jimmy is in the chasing position. He is chasing Martin Truex. He is chasing Kyle Busch. He is chasing Kyle Larson. He's having to catch up with them. In the past, he's gone into Dover and some of these places looking over his shoulder saying, who's this behind me? Who do I have to, to block? Who do I have to keep back there? 
It's not that way this time. It's a different pressure, I believe. So back in 2015, he was plus 27 heading into Dover, and he had that rear axle seal failure that was essentially a freak thing. And then you look at what happened at New Hampshire this past weekend, and we can take a look at what happened in 2015 as well. But some late race miscues on pit road at New Hampshire. I guess what I'm getting at here, Kyle, is if he is going to show up and win this race, how perfect does everything need to go, given the fact that you said that they may be lacking some speed? Listen, I, I think in this day and time, you have to show up and run perfect races every week to win. Um, I think we saw the 78 car of Martin Truex at Chicago run all but a perfect race. He was right there at the edge of the perfect race. And Dominic, we saw Kyle Busch last week, a perfect race. We saw the 78 spin last week and not be able to make it up. Now, they make it up better than anybody else because they have one thing, speed. Yeah. They make it up because they have speed. The 78... Martin or Martin Truex or Kyle Busch. The problem, as we've watched other teams this year, whether it be Joey Logano trying to make the chase, whether it be Brad Keselowski trying to gain points, they don't have speed. If they make a mistake, it takes them out of the game. Yeah, you're exactly right. And here's the thing. They're, they're, he's in a position, once again, that they don't have to go win. They don't have to get number 12 at Dover at for Dover. Jimmy Johnson. All they have to do is have a solid race car and hope that none of these parts and pieces yeah. break. If none of that happens, then Jimmy Johnson's talent alone is going to get them far enough along. So uh, you have to figure that that's going to happen. But uh, I know he went in plus 27. Carol, I'm glad you were able to come up with the rear axle seal because I could not remember. I'm just yeah. not a car guy. And, 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 don't patronize me. No, I'm that trying. Was good. That I'm was trying. really good. Okay. I, I thought we were on car talk there for a minute. That was really good. Because, <laughs> but I, I do want to say this, and Dale said it Sunday. Jimmy Johnson does not have to go to Dover and win. He has to go to Dover and run competitive for us to believe that he has a shot at the chase. I yep. think that's, for me, that's what I'm looking for. Just show me you can run competitive. Show me you can run in the top five. Show me you can lead a lap. It's not a win situation for him to move on. But to say that he's in the playoffs this year and he's not led a lap so far in the first couple of races and then he doesn't show up at Dover as a favorite or he doesn't show up in that top five or six when the day's over with, I'm gonna, a lot of people will be scratch, scratching their head wondering, will Jimmy Johnson win his eighth? All right, I'm going to put my mechanical dictionary back behind the desk. <laughs> We're going to take a commercial break because it's Tuesday. That means it's scan all. We're going to listen to the radios from Loudon next. The 41 just tried to cold trickle it, and the track was blocked, and it hit it pretty hard in the door. Yeah, it looks like we're done there. Just a friendly reminder for you, Formula One right here on NBCSN. And after 19 years, this is going to be the last Malaysian Grand Prix racing at Sepang starting Saturday night, 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific, right here on NBCSN. Well, ever since Kyle Busch grabbed his first win of the season in late July at Pocono, he has been on fire. And while he may have only had two career playoff wins to his credit entering Loudon, Busch quickly took control over the second half of the race. So let's go back and scan all New Hampshire. A picture-perfect day in the Granite State. Ah, oh, my brother. Beautiful day here in Loud. 300 laps. Let's do it the way we always do. Yeah, bud. Do it. Good luck in there, guys. Do your deal. That's the fun. It'll get some monster. Long, hot day, bud. We fight all day. Execute. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the hard work getting this thing ready to go. We came here to win, but let's keep the big picture in mind. Just be mistake-free all day. Have fun out there. 
Yep, sounds good. Thank you, guys. Green flag is in the air on race two of the playoffs. Our race was really good. You know, we started on the pole, led a lot of laps early. Kyle Busch, a 1.1 second lead. We've had a good baseline setup here for a number of years. Uh, I feel like we unloaded with a good car, and it's just up to us to execute. It was a little bit in the center, like just a four-wheel drift in the center. Kind of still have that. Fear too much air pressure. We see Martrex Jr. has closed down on the leader. A scene run a 29.82. ran us down when the car started to slide and, and ill handle. Uh, they had a better long run car there. You're clear. All clear. New leader, 78. Hey, just absolutely jumped. Every lap I run, it just shattered further around the corner, no grip on exit. F4. You can tell Brad that I'm going to give him one lap to get out of my way. Denny Hamlin got out of the groove, and he goes back to ninth. Really struggling wheels. I don't know what the f*** off this thing. I'm loose in. I'm definitely loose off. Bring her to the line here for the 19th time this season. Stage winner, MTJ. Sounds pretty good. Uh, ready to hear 20. And there you have it. Those stage points continue to add up. We made some adjustments to it for the second stage, and we were able to keep up with Truex. We were right with him and uh, trying to make some passes on him a couple times there. Little roll reversal stage one. It was Martin Truex Jr. stalking Kyle Busch, winning the stage. Kyle Busch now trying to turn the tables. Just going the rear that I had. Copy that. Back has been way better this run. Keep going in the direction we went. Ten four, man. Hit your marks here, you can get him. Denny Hamlin might be getting a little frustrated with the seven-time champion. Got a car sideways. Kevin Harvick, he's right in the middle of the racetrack. Stay high, stay high, go low. He's in the middle, go low, go low, go low, go low. And we're in it. All right. I think I spun myself out or did I not? Yeah. You couldn't see anything, so I had no clue where they were, so. Tony was in my ear telling me to, to slow down and to stop. Uh, track was blocked, or the, or the middle lane was blocked, so there might be room high or low, so I just slowed down as much as I could. Yeah, one spinning on the bottom. He's probably mid-track, he's mid-track, he's mid-track, he's up top, he's up, he's up, he's up, he's up, he's up, he's up, he's up. When you're in those types of situations, you think back to Days of Thunder, and it's like, just drive through it, you know, go where the smoke is, because hopefully when you get there, they'll be gone. There's enough room there, right? Probably an inch. 41, just tried to cold trickle it, and the track was blocked, and he hit it pretty hard in the door. Yeah, it looks like we're done there. The 78's in it? We're well, actually okay until 88 and us backed into each other. What happened there? Three hit us. So three just spun us out. Coming left, don't know what he wants me to do. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. The three got him. The three got the four? Yeah, that's hearsay. Five, four, three, two, one right here. Lots been made about that 18 picker. Remember, that's a new crew starting last week. Clear, all clear, all clear. Held the lead off pit road. Our guys did a great job on pit road today, and they were flawless and uh, executed well. Every stop, we got a little bit better based off of KB's feedback and some adjustments, and uh, we were definitely at our best at the end. Uh, minus 12. How's your balance? Really good. We got the lead, and then caution after caution after that point. A lot of smoke trailing from Earnhardt Jr.'s car. His crush panel just came out. Stay real low below the line here. We'll get you back over. It looks like the left rear, Greg. The left front, Greg. That's an 88 No, He's dragging and dropping all over the racetrack. Sparks are flying out of the bottom of his car right now. Casey Kane slow and now stopping on the racetrack. Caution, be ready, guys. Something's broken in the rear end. I can see it. Yeah, 10-4. One side of the mount came loose and it finally broke the other side. 
23 laps to go. Here comes Kyle Larson. Larson was right there for one of the restarts. I think it was the last one. Uh, he was on my tail uh, off of turn two, and I thought that you know he might make a, a bold move or a crazy move getting into three. Sprint car guys are sometimes known for that, but uh, you know he, he didn't. I, I think he was just kind of trying to, to, to fall in and kind of get a rhythm going and see if he couldn't hang with me. Kyle Busch extended his lead over Kyle Larson by a second, almost a second and a half. One more set of smart corners here. Two now out back. Bush is going to win in the Granite State. Yeah. Way to go, team. Good job. Way to hang with the driver. Up here, guys. Give it to me. And how about that high-speed burnout? Please take it easy with the burnout. I don't need any special meetings next week. This thing was awesome. So uh, we ran up front all day long. We executed. We did a good job. And uh, it's awesome to win here in the Granite State right in front of these fans. So we appreciate the New Hampshire Motor Speedway and the show they put on. It's awesome to, uh, to come out here every year. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool to, to win here on this hot day. DJ, what are you taking away from this week's scandal? Yeah, uh, on kind of another short track, uh, Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson having their issues. Yeah. And, and I think Denny's issue comes from the fact that at the point in time of the race, and this has happened a few times, I think it's happened at Loudon before, and I think they've had a couple of run-ins at Martinsville, as to when that Denny feels like that Jimmy should give him a break yeah. earlier in the race, that they're really not racing for anything at that point in time. But, you know, the seven-time champion understands, hey, if I can make that guy use up his tires a little bit here, then he might not be able to get by me. But yeah. uh, Denny a little frustrated. Yeah, I, you know, what I took away from that was, Kyle Busch, anytime he gets in an accident, he thinks about Days of Thunder. Um, you know, just go where the smoke is and they'll be gone when you get there. I always thought about the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour with uh, Wally Coyote and, uh, and, and the Roadrunner, and I always had an anvil dropped on my head. But I, I'm telling you, I mean, what a great explanation for that because that's exactly what it was. It looked like a movie with the smoke there. He went there, and as you pointed out watching this, the 41 car of Kurt Busch, if he hadn't got into the four car and knocked him away from the wall a yeah. little bit, there wouldn't have been room there. It's a fascinating look into your brain. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. We're taking a commercial break. On that note, coming up next, uh, we'll have Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Pete Pistoni joining the show. He will talk about the elimination race in Dover and what's going on in the Xfinity playoffs as well. That's next on NASCAR America. Hey, you can always start your day with Channel 90 on Sirius XM every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. One of our NASCAR NBC personalities joining the morning drive crew with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni. And Pete is with us today, as he is every week. All right, Pete, let's start with your biggest takeaway from New Hampshire on the track. Well, my biggest takeaway has to be Toyota. Uh, certainly Kyle Busch leading 187 laps. Martin Truex Jr. looked like his day might have been over, but he was able to rebound from being in that accident to still come back and finish in the top five. And when you look at the numbers, guys, and only one non-Toyota driver led a lap, Kyle Larson, I got to again say that that manufacturer just has it going on. And the big three has been Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, and Kyle Larson. And to me, the big three are going to continue going that way here for the rest of the playoffs. You know, the trend that you just spoke of at New Hampshire with Toyota, that's been over the last three or four races. But as you look at the second playoff race, obviously Chicago, then the New Hampshire, which team for you was a letdown that you thought were, was going to go there and maybe turn something around or get something going? 
I thought for sure Denny Hamlin would, Kyle. I mean, I know Joe Gibbs Racing won the race with Kyle Busch, but I thought for sure Denny Hamlin would because he won there in the summertime. He runs so well there. He qualified fourth. When he came to pit road for the vibration, he was never able to get back on track. And you listen to the communication with him and Mike Wheeler, his crew chief, and Denny saying, why are we so slow now on short tracks? That was really surprising to me. I'm going to be interested to watch that team to see if they can bounce back. I mean, they're okay on the cut line in terms of the playoffs, but I was really surprised the 11 team of Denny Hamlin was not that good Sunday in New Hampshire. Pete, this manufacturer discussion, this Toyota dominance discussion that we've been hearing about for a couple of weeks now, is that only going to further intensify each week if only Kyle Larson can get a single lap at New Hampshire? How do you see this moving forward in these playoffs? Yeah, Carolyn, I, I really do. Uh, you know, the Ford camp, again, Brad Keselowski, a decent day for him on Sunday. And the very first words out of his mouth was, we can't get the speed to be caught up to Toyota. Outside of Kyle Larson, to your point, what Chevy team made any kind of inroads to try to be an impact player for that race on Sunday at New Hampshire? There, there wasn't one. So, yeah, I do see that. And I, I look down the stretch here, guys, and I say this on a weekly basis, specifically with the 78 team. I can't find that Achilles heel. I don't see a track in the next eight that I can tell you, oh, boy, this is the place where the other manufacturers are going to have a shot. That's how bulletproof I feel Toyota is right now. So, Pete, the Xfinity Series is also at Dover this weekend, and NASCAR has amended the rules to ensure that Cup veterans will not make an appearance in the playoffs. But that doesn't mean that only Xfinity regulars are taking part in this. And last week at Kentucky, we saw Tyler Reddick, a part-time driver, win pretty handily for Chip Ganassi Racing. And with younger cup drivers also in this mix, could this year's Xfinity champion not win a race in the playoffs? How do you see this? You know, it could happen, Carolyn. We, we've seen it before. We saw Austin Dillon do this a few years ago. You know, Elliot Sadler, the guy that was on top of the standings, he won the regular season championship in the Xfinity Series. He hasn't won a race. Junior Motorsports is great. They're very powerful. But I could see Elliot putting that ball right down the middle of the fairway the rest of the way and get top five finishes and have that be good enough for him to win the championship and maybe not even have to win the final race at Homestead Miami Speedway, where we know no cup drivers can be in that race. But, I mean, this is something that NASCAR continues to look at the guidelines as you mentioned to alleviate and eliminate and, and keep those cup guys out of the series but Tyler Reddick's not a full-time guy he as you say ran, ran a really good race on Saturday night I think it could happen and I'll be interested to hear what the fans have to say about it if we do get a winless Xfinity Series champ in 2017. Uh, okay and we keep talking young drivers and now we keep going back to Elliot Sadler who doesn't fall into that category <laughs> but as you no. say he has points raced his whole life. If he just plays fairway golf as you say he may roll into Miami and have that shot at the, at the championship not have to win a race. Is that a bad thing for the sport since we've talked about so much Win and you're in, win and you're the champion, win, 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 but we still are chasing points. You know, Kyle, I think in our universe, you know, the, the NASCAR universe, maybe it's not the worst thing because to your point, a lot of us are all used to the point racing, even though we've changed the whole philosophy of winning you're in. But outside of this universe, when you try to explain to a casual fan, my champion won a championship without winning a race. That's a tough sell. So, I, and we went through this again a couple of years ago with Austin Dillon. I think it would be best if someone could win a race and win the championship because, to me, that sells and brings home the point of, yeah, win and you're in. It's all about getting to victory lane. It's going to be kind of weird to have a guy 
hoisting that championship trophy in Miami without having visited Victory Lane all season long. All right, we don't want to let you go without going back to the Cup Series and getting some predictions, putting you on the spot here, uh, Pistol Pete. Who do you think is going to get cut this weekend at Dover? You know, I, I look at that bottom four. Last week, if you would have asked me, I would have said Ricky Stenhouse Jr. for sure. But what a rebound they had this past week at New Hampshire to finish 15th, which is good enough to get above the cut line. My past experience with this has been the people at the bottom four going into Dover, unless you throw that Hail Mary up there, it can win a race like Kevin Harvick did a couple of years ago. It's going to be really difficult. So I think it's going to be, for me, Jamie McMurray, Ryan Newman. I think, unfortunately, it's going to be Kurt Busch in that mix as well. And I got a feeling that somehow, some way, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to get knocked out and he's going to fall to the bottom. And unfortunately, as we've been saying all along, for those four, it's going to be over in Dover. <laughs> you like that? You can use that anytime you want if you like. I really like that. I really. Okay, th that's your prediction on who's going to be out. When is yeah. Jimmy Johnson going to step up and be <laughs> in the chase? That's what I want to know because we are headed to Dover and some of his quotes this week, we're learning, we're getting there. From a seven-time champion, we're learning, we're getting there. That doesn't make sense to me. It's weird, Kyle, because we've been through this before, right? We've seen this movie before. In the regular season, they win early, they sort of go off the radar, they're working on stuff. Once the playoffs come, the switch gets turned on. Well, we've had two races in a row where the switch is stuck. It's not in the upright position yet, but now you're going to Dover. I mean, the guy is the best at Dover. If if the switch doesn't get turned on and we don't see Jimmy Johnson, I don't even have to say he has to win the race, but finish in the top two, top five, if that doesn't happen, then I think you got some questions. But if we got out of Dover and it's another 48 going to victory lane, I think all will be white in the Jimmy Johnson world on Sunday. We've seen it a time or two at Dover. Thanks, Pete. We'll talk to you this week. Okay, guys, thank you. And coming up, Eric Jones has been a familiar sight in the top 10 as of late. Another familiar sight has been his throwback mullet, but the rookie has made a change here. We're going to show you when NASCAR America comes back. Hey, make sure the grill has some gas because we have got a playoff doubleheader for you this weekend at Dover. Xfinity Series racing Saturday at 3 Eastern right here and then Sunday at 2 Eastern, an elimination race for the Monster Energy Cup Series. The California kid, Kyle Larson. He, Chip Ganassi, and Chevrolet are going to victory lane in Fontana. Car 42, Kyle Larson, number one at Michigan International Speedway. Look at this in victory lane. Don't see that very often. Kyle Larson coming to the line with Truex chasing. Will win his third time in a row here in Michigan. Kyle Larson wins at Richmond. Larson has certainly established himself as a championship contender this year, and he is our special guest tomorrow on NASCAR America from the Hall of Fame. We're going to learn a lot more about his racing roots and his climb up the NASCAR ladder. That is tomorrow at 5 Eastern right here on NASCAR America on NBCSN. We look forward to that. Those Hall of Fame shows are different than what we normally do, and they are fantastic. And last week, Eric Jones was our guest, and the mullet was among the many topics discussed. Frederico wants to know, are you ever going to cut your hair, Eric? Yeah, um, we, we just talked about this as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing late November, it's, it's probably going to be gone, unfortunately. Hmm. I can grow it back pretty quick if I wanted to. I, I, one thing I did get very blessed with was some hair. I, I can grow <laughs> some hair. Well, 
Turns out he had a change of heart because as of yesterday, that mullet is gone. At least for now, a trip to sport clips and a much cleaner look. And we had some of his fellow drivers chime in on this. Ryan Blaney and Corey LaJoy and Matt Benedetto. Blaney says not mad, just disappointed Eric Jones and Corey. Now you need to take a razor to that weak beard. And then Benedetto basically mentioned that his sister-in-law was the one that did the honors. Oh, man. I don't know, Kyle and DJ. What are your thoughts? This is a bit tragic. It's a little premature, as they say. Listen, finally a subject that I can speak on, okay? <laughs> this is a guy that rocked the mullet, and if I let this down, I still got it going on. Let me just go ahead and say that. You never really cut a mullet as much as you just fillet it and trim it back, and it's always there. Once a mullet wear, always a mullet wear. Yeah. So I'm going to say this. I am an Eric Jones fan because of the mullet, and I know it's hiding right now. Uh, it's just off season. It'll be back at some point in time. But um, I do think he needs to shave that weak beard because it is a little weak. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to reserve here a little bit. He's been running really well. I don't yeah. know if it's a little like Samson and that's his strength. You know, let's see Excellent about point. that. Uh, but God, I'm glad I saw that picture because when I go in the garage area at Dover, <laughs> I'd been looking for the wrong guy. Exactly. I would say, yes, there is a correlation, DJ. You are exactly right to his mullet and his performance. Yeah, it has slowly see. ticked upwards a whole slew of top tens since he started debuting that network back on May 30th. <laughs> but you guys, here's the, here's the power of the mullet. I love that from our graphics team. <laughs> but you two are no stranger to what a mm, mullet uh -oh. can do, to what a mullet True. can bring. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Dale, this doesn't even look real. This looks like somebody yeah. with a full head of hair is walking behind you. How on earth on. do you hey. justify what has Things were going well. Why would you change it? That's the same uniform mm -hmm. I've been wearing in the races. So why cut my yes. hair, do anything? I can tell you that I'll say times have changed yeah. because he had drivers commenting on his. After yeah. I won at Indy <laughs> the first time and they showed that it was a big paycheck, uh, one of my a fan wrote in and said, now maybe you got yeah. enough money to go get your hair cut. So at yeah. least I had fans yeah. and not other drivers That's true, me. true. And Kyle. Oh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen. Do you know how much beer you can buy when you don't get a haircut? I'm just saying. I am just saying. The alcohol consumption from beer went way up. It's like, what do you want? A haircut or beer? I'm going mm -hmm. with a case of beer. Mm -hmm. I'm going with a case of beer this week. Yeah. So let me tell you, I rock that. Don't I'm not I'm not denying it. I'm proud of it. I never you know, I never I never said you didn't. I never <laughs> said you didn't. Let me just say, let me just say, in that race, I think I had an axo seal go out and I went and got a glamour shot as soon as okay. that race was All over. Right. You know what? I regret speaking to you about this on this topic immediately. We are taking another commercial glamour break. Shot. We huh. are taking another commercial break. Uh, we're gonna get back to Elimination Weekend in Dover. Forget all this insanity, the playoff pressure going to the next level. We'll discuss that when we come back. Dover's great. It's tough, physically tough, mentally tough. It's really challenging and, and makes the best drivers come on out. There's a lot of pressure on, on everybody. I think you have to lay it all out there and, and know that there's no second chances. You definitely have to have your A game. You gotta be clutch, you gotta win the race. Programming reminder, our NBCSN coverage from Dover begins Friday morning at 10 Eastern, and then on Saturday, the Xfinity Series playoffs continuing at 2.30 Eastern. Sunday, 
1.30 Eastern. We hope you're with us. The first elimination race in the Monster Energy Series playoffs. Let's just start there while we have a couple minutes left on the show. DJ, I'll start with you. You both are drivers who are very familiar with the challenges associated with Dover. What should fans be paying attention to as it relates to execution on the track? Yeah, there's one word that that always came to mind, still does when I think about Dover, attack. You have to attack yeah. this racetrack. Uh, if you don't, you're going to find yourself in the outside lane getting bypassed, uh, maybe on by both sides uh, because this track really widens out. But you really have to attack. And sometimes when you're trying to race for points, you, you kind of ease off. And, and that's not the best way around this because <laughs> then the car won't work. But as you attack, you know that... It's a dangerous lurking, especially yeah. on the exit. You talked earlier about how narrow these straightaways get, coming off a of two and four. So if something happens there in front of you and you're attacking, you might get in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, and there's a reason. You attack, but there's a reason they call this place the monster mile because it attacks back yeah. sometime when you least expect it. And one of the things that you've got to be perfect on is getting off the racetrack and on the pit road. A number of years ago, we saw Matt Kenseth run into yeah. the, to the water barrels and, and the sand barrels at the end and take himself out of the race. Once you get on pit road, pit road is this wide, just wide enough for about a car and a half. And even under caution, we'll see guys that get into each other. They'll knock fenders in. Things will happen. So mistake-free on pit road. Under green and under caution, once you get there, is going to be yeah. critical in this race. Do you think that there are non-playoff drivers, DJ, who have the skill to ruin the party, so to speak, in this elimination race for a couple of those other drivers that could really use a strong finish? Yeah, if Eric Jones hadn't got his mullet cut off, I'd have really been more <laughs> on him. But no, I think he's still he's a driver that, that I look at that I think really can go there and, and perform at a high level. When you look back at what he did at Bristol, sitting on the pole, almost winning the race, the only man to beat him was a guy that's dominant yeah. there in Kyle Busch. So Eric Jones, I think, could go there and kind of upset the apple cart. Yeah, and I, I think another one is Joey Logano. I think Joey Logano's got a chip on his shoulder. He didn't make the playoffs. He wants to prove that he can do it. Uh, I talked to him the other day, Carolyn, and I think he's writing a mini speech for when he gets into victory lane <laughs> to be able to tell these people why he should have been in the playoffs, Carolyn. Just a little mini speech, babe. <laughs> why do we Why do we have you on the show? Why do we have you on the show? All I you have do no is idea, sit here Carolyn. and make fun of me no all idea. day. I'm telling you in the commercial break, sure. I have to make a mini speech characters. at a friend's wedding, and now you're just sitting here and telling everybody characters. about it. It's called a tweet, Carolyn. <gasps> mini speech, tweet. We're calling it. We're calling it here. We do have Kyle Larson at the NASCAR Hall of Fame tomorrow, so make sure with us for that. Eric Jones, RIP to the mullet. We'll be back Wednesday at 5 Eastern from the Hall of Fame. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs> we'll leave you with these beautiful images and we'll see you tomorrow at 5. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.